We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius. And kind of excited about this show in a cautious way, but I want to be upfront with you. The title of this is Reasons for Optimism, but we are not here to blow sunshine up your butts. The idea that we have behind this pod is sometimes it's interesting to try and look at things from the opposite end of the spectrum when you're feeling a certain way. Myself and a lot of other people, I don't want to speak for Darius too, but he, you know, it's been a tough season for all of us. And we are in one of the darker places that we've been in as Laker fans. And that is fertile ground for pessimism. I thought it would be interesting to look for reasons for optimism, not in a way of, you know, talking ourselves into some BS. But if there are reasons for optimism that can shine through in moments like these, then they're probably genuine because we're all in a place where we're very willing to see the worst in what's going on with the Lakers. This is going to be something where we hit a few different points and it is naturally going to turn pessimistic at some points of it because that is the place that we're in. So with all that in mind, Darius, what is the main thing in your mind that you think is the the core things that we have to look forward to? It's funny to say this, but LeBron James is still a member of the Lakers. He signed for three more seasons or after this or two more seasons with a player option. So it's funny. I find myself getting negative already. Like, does that mean what it used to? And does it or Okay. It doesn't mean what it used to. Obviously, he's going into what season 17 next year. Sure. But how much does that matter? I think it matters a lot. He's still, to me, a 
<laughs> so it's funny. We went into the season basically thinking LeBron's basically one of the top, you know, one or two or three players in, well, in the league. He got hurt this season. So, and it's the first major injury that he's really had in, in his career. He, he missed the better part of two months, basically. Um, LeBron's averages in terms of his box score stats are yeah. basically right in line with what an elite player produces. Um, he produced those numbers while clearly like not being in the type of shape he would have been normally in in a season. He produced that after coming back from a pretty severe injury. I don't know about you, like I didn't watch every single Cavs game last year. So from the the gist that I got from Cavs fans is is that his defense this year was probably down some from last year, but but not much. And he still had some really good moments defensively and some really good stretches defensively. That just wasn't played out like that over well, well over the course of the full well the full season. So I guess the gist of what I'm saying is if you're eat. Even if you drop LeBron down a notch, I'd still consider him a top 10 player in the NBA. And if you were to tell me that the Lakers are going to start next season with a top 10 player in the league on their roster, I'd say that's something to be happy about personally, right? Like, uh, so just like you started out the pod talking about, I think it's very easy for the situation that the team is in to sort of color our outlook moving forward. Yes. But there are things that stand alone and stand outside of that that need to be discussed within the context of what they actually are rather than the circumstances in which they currently exist in. We rank players. That's kind of our natural throughout the history of talking about basketball is who do you put ahead of this guy on the all-time list and in the current game, who's the best player in the game, who are the top three, top five. We want ordinals. We want to number things, one, two, three, four, et cetera. LeBron is still a great player. If he is the fourth best player in the NBA or if he's the seventh best player or the eighth best player, I don't really care. He's still a great player player and I do think that he can lead a team to an NBA championship and I think he he demonstrated that capability. Now there were a lot of outside factors but this was not like we've seen guys I don't do you remember when Olajuwon got old? Yes. Olajuwon fell off a cliff. I remember when Shaq got old. That yeah. that didn't happen on the Lakers but Right. but his contributions to the Lakers made it so that I followed Shaq the rest of his career. Yes. LeBron did not have that type of season, not even close. LeBron is still a great player. So that is a valid reason for optimism. So beyond LeBron, what are, what are we looking at from reasons for optimism? The Lakers are going to go in to this offseason with their f- full complement of young players. Now, they're all hurt right now in very to various degrees, right? Brandon Ingram is dealing with the serious health issue when it comes to the blood clotting um and Lonzo Ball has not returned from his grade three sprained ankle and Josh Hart is dealing with knee issues and is basically going to seek out other opinions now because the PRP treatment that that he took um what was that maybe a month ago or six weeks ago really didn't do much to alleviate 
the soreness and, and general issue that that he's dealing with. And Kyle Kuzma's still here. So those are the four core young players that the Lakers had eyes on as as being potential long-term fits with the team. And I only say potential because uh, they're clearly also the Lakers' best trade assets and and they could be used in that purpose as well. But you still have all of your young players. The Lakers are going to miss the playoffs. So they're still going to, so they're actually going to have a pretty good draft pick, a lottery pick. And they're still going to head into the free agency period with all of their cap space. Um, this is the same exact position they were in at the start of the year, where pretty much it, all of those things were looked at th- optimistically, right? Like, if you were to yeah, tell me... Yeah, it's not me, different. It just feels so different. It, it just feels different because the circumstances of this season have yes. made everything so dour. <laughs> you, you know what? The, there's there's one element of this, and I, maybe this is just going to be how this podcast goes, where I'm, I am pessimistic in this Reasons for Optimism podcast, but maybe that's the natural balance to it. The the difference between this offseason and last offseason for me is that we were a 35-win team last year that was hoping that two max guys could come in and not save us, but like really propel us to the next level. This year, we're going to be a 35-win team that hopes that one max guy can come in and save us. And we did not make the progress. Now, there's injuries. It was a poorly constructed roster. I have questions about what Luke Walton did. There's this, you know, litany of reasons for why it worked out that way. But at the end of the day, we're going to be a team that won about the same number of games as we won last year. But there is less room. There is less places to go with your imagination of, God, what do two max guys look like? And then you get LeBron. Like, LeBron becomes a real thing. But then... You have LeBron and you're still a 35-win team. Yeah, I don't look at it that way, though. Okay. So I, I, I just think the specific factors of, of this season just torpedoed this year. And if the Lakers were to experience the same sort of issues next year, they'd be a bad team again, even if they had another really good free agent player. The, dude, this is—if I could jump in the— this is such a strange year. Like so much of it was self-inflicted, but the guys that got hurt, it wasn't just that they got hurt, but they were playing like the best basketball of the season when they got hurt. So like LeBron is LeBron, but like when he got hurt on Christmas, the Lakers were playing the be- their best basketball of the season. And if there's any one player who embodies the Lakers overall in terms of how they perform, obviously that's LeBron, right? So LeBron was playing some of his best ball and the Lakers were as well. And that's no coincidence. Then Lonzo was just starting to click, right? He was playing great, and then he turns his ankle on January 18th against the Rockets. Brandon looked like a friggin' monster, and he goes down with this really weird... Like, it's not like an ankle injury like Lonzo. It's this blood clot, right? That That's a very rare type of injury. So on top of all of the self-inflicted stuff that Lakers had... This has been the most snake-bitten, just purely from a luck standpoint, season that I can remember as a Laker fan. Yeah, I would also add, too, that that some of the Lakers' best lineups, and actually the Lakers' best lineup for the season, Josh Hart has been a key component oh, yes. Don't of, him too. of many yes. of those lineups. And so for Hart to sort of um, like have, have his knee issue right at a time 
where I felt like this Lakers roster probably need will needed him most based off of everything that was going on around the team. He's he's just one of those steadier type of players. And then to have to like lean on on Lance Stevenson and Michael Beasley and Contavious called Caldwell Pope when those guys are naturally just really sort of streaky type of guys. I thought that that was a really um, tough blow for this specific roster to have yeah. to eat when you considered everything else that was going on around the team at that point. So, yeah, it, I think it just speaks to sort of that snake-bitten nature of 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 what this year was. And so, on one hand, the sort of the optimistic take that that I have is that this was really bad in really specific ways. And if it's just going to be that bad, well then, holy hell, it's just that bad. And I don't know <laughs> what you want me to say about that. Right. R- right. right? But, my, but my feeling is, is that things are not going to continue to be that bad in those specific ways. And so, so that sounds like a, like, maybe just a foolish thing to say, or maybe I'm asking for it. Like maybe I should knock on wood when I say that a little bit. But I just think that when you're talking about taking things in, well, well, independently, I feel like Lonzo, I I feel like shutting Lonzo down for for the rest of the year is going to set him up well for the off season, right? In, in a way that he was not set, set up well for last offseason when he ended up sort, sort of deal, dealing with that knee issue, then having to get his knee scoped. I think that this is going to be a big summer for him. And the optimist in me says he's actually going to have time to put in the skill work and all of the strength work and sort of build on that stretch. When you give me... LeBron James, who I think is still, just like you said, a fantastic and great player, and you give me those core four young players, I'm like, okay, well, let's go. And I think that that is the foundation for a team that can be really good. My opinion on that has not changed just because this season went the way that that it did. Do you disagree that that those things aren't independent of what the season was? Those aren't things that you can get behind as something to feel good about the team going forward. I will give my answer to that after the break. The first weekend of the NCAA tournament is the greatest betting event of the year. Whether you like filling out a bracket, picking a national champion, predicting first round upsets, or all of the above, my bookie is the perfect home for your March Madness fun. Will Zion Williamson and his teammates cement their legacy at Duke with the title? Can Virginia get past its loss to a 16th seed last year? Can Kentucky get back to the Final Four? If you know the answers, or even if you don't, MyBookie is the place to get in on the action. They have something for everyone. MyBookie has been in business for years. Their goal is to give you the best customer service in the business. And the best part is, they pay out fast when you win. I'm talking 48 hours. Bet with the best, then kick back and enjoy March Madness while you watch your picks cash. Deposit with MyBookie today with promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, for 50% sign-up bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. With MyBookie, you play, you win, and you get paid. So before the break, Darius, you asked me if I agree that the Lakers are in a strong position from having LeBron and the young core in place, as disastrous as the rest of this season was. 
they find themselves in a similar position long-term going forward, even with an absolutely terrible trade of Avica Zubats. Zoo was a free agent this summer. Now, they could have done some nice things with his cap hold, and there were there are still repercussions of that over the course of this summer because his cap hold was very small. But ultimately, the Lakers pretty much have what they had before. I do think that what they have is a good place to be with good young players that can defend, which I think will make them more immediately capable of producing in playoff situations. And it's unfortunate they didn't get that experience over the course of this year. But I do think that there is some translatability from them in ways that maybe some other young players, they don't quite have that because they can't defend at the level that those guys can. LeBron, still a great player. And the Lakers also have a probably top 10 draft pick in this draft to either keep for themselves or to send out. That is a strong position in and of itself. I do feel, I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing. I suppose it's based on how the front office reacts to it. There is some shine that's come off of the Lakers that makes it feel like their position is not as strong. If I was a free agent, I would be less compelled to come to this team because it looks like a mess. It feels like a mess. Even from the outside, I think like people are always ready to crap on the Lakers. But I think most of us as Laker fans would agree that like this is not a good place to be right now. And I don't think that that is how it was last season. There was a lot of positive mojo and excitement going into last offseason. They cashed in with LeBron James. I don't know if that positive energy helped with getting LeBron, but it certainly didn't hurt. And I don't know if it's going to harm them going forward. Is there a way, Darius, for the Lakers to turn that into a good thing in the spirit of optimism? I'm not sure if there's a way to turn that in into a good thing. I think that there are ways to sort of rid themselves of the smell, if that makes sense. How, how um, do we do that? I, th- I think that they systematically have strategically position themselves within the media in, in a more positive light by sort of owning the things that they can own and managing the perception of them the best way that that they can. So I don't have a step-by-step plan for for any of that. I'm not sure if like firing Luke Walton is going to help or hurt them. I'm not sure if uh them sort of backing away slowly and then turning their back on some of their free agent misses is going to do it, right? I don't know if if a well-timed um, report to or leak to maybe a friendly media outlet about sort sort of them owning so, some of their uh, roster mistakes, and I'm not sure what it would take. Right, all of this is like accountability stuff, right? Take responsibility yes. for yes. your contribution to what went wrong, and I think that ownership of that is a nice first step from a public relations standpoint that you're sort of ready to turn the corner. What have you seen that indicates that they may be in that space? What you're talking about right here, I completely agree with. It's also, I'm having a hard time in my mind feeling like that. Like That's what I'm most pessimistic about. Sure, They are going to be like, hey, I screwed up. We screwed up. We need to do better. I have pessimism about that too, right? Like, Look, yeah. if it, like if there's one thing that I 
take away from this season, it's that the injuries really derailed and torpedoed this campaign. But but the injuries alone aren't the reason why the Lakers are bad. It's a major contributing factor, but it's not the reason the Lakers are bad. The Lakers are bad because not only did all their players get hurt at various times, right, including their top three guys, right, for extended stretches, but the way that the roster was was constructed, the specific players that they brought brought in weren't necessarily good fits for this team or the type of ball that this coach wanted to play. And on top of that, the coach didn't necessarily handle this specific roster in a way that was going to optimize it. Right. Right. So, so they were literally like burning the candle from both ends and then everything caught on fire. And the injuries did not help that at all. But even if this team stayed relatively healthy, they probably still would have been in that sort of like 10 through 5 range in terms of seeding and would have had to have a lot of things go right or for them to get hot at the right time to be sort of a firm playoff team. Right. right. I, like, like I don't stretch out. Oh, well, they were fourth. Like I've said that myself on Twitter and in conversation to, to people. Well, they were fourth. Right. And they had a top 10 defense. Yes. All of that is true. And you cannot take take that away from them. They were also like overly dependent on players who in their nature are sort of streaky type type guys. And also like this hasn't been said enough. And I plan to write a piece about this, but but I'll just talk about it a little bit right now. But Tyson Chandler was a really big reason why mm. this team was successful. Yeah, um, that's a good point. All all of their metrics took a major leap forward once Chandler came came on board. Their defensive metrics were fantastic with him. For a long stretch as well, he, he was one of the key reasons why they vaulted into the top 10 defensively. Um, and he allowed for a certain amount of lineup balance to exist when the full roster was was healthy that allowed this team to play the same way over the course of a full game, which I thought was super important from a continuity standpoint and from a rhythm standpoint that that really allowed the full team to play at their best. Chandler got waived by basically the worst team in the league. It's it's tricky for me to say this, but Chandler's also a very old player. His body has just sort of given out on him in in the second half of the season. He started to deal with back spasms, and then he's never really looked the same since that point in December. And it's tough for me to then say, like, oh, well, this all would have been just fine, you know, when sure. they were super dependent on a player who ended up falling off the way that he did. And it, it, it was always a house of cards, right? And the fact that they got him in the first place was a stroke of fortune in that it was easy to say, oh, well, you know, James Jones was LeBron's buddy and they bought 
Tyson Chandler out, but James Jones did not have that gig at the beginning of the season. That was Ryan McDonough was in that Suns position who owes LeBron nothing, not that James Jones does, but there's probably not that sort of relationship that's there, right? So the fact that they were able to get Chandler, that is one of the more self-inflicted things that they did. It's funny, we've talked about this before, but like the approach to the center position was so weird that we assumed that LeBron was going to be playing it a lot. And when that didn't work out that way, Tyson actually was a real saving grace in a way that they could not have planned for him to be available that early on. But he just by virtue of the fact that his body is at the point that it's at, that's a great point, Darius, that we don't talk about nearly enough that the impact that Tyson Chandler just falling apart, not being able to do what he was doing in those first 10 to 15 games or so any longer compounded with LeBron's injury, all of the other stuff. But he was a big reason why the Lakers were good. Yeah, and and look, maybe Zubats does the same thing. And if JaVale d- doesn't, you know, get pneumonia and then comes back right there's like all of these factors that that come into play but but a a a team is a puzzle and or or a better analogy might be like a watch right and there's all these pieces that have to fit together perfectly for things to run smoothly and once one thing sort sort of starts to get out of rhythm the whole thing can just tumble down and suddenly you're like, what the hell happened? And that's what happened to this Lakers team. And and so get, getting back to the earlier point about sort, sort of this front office and accountability and some pessimism around that, I worry that they have, um, that they'll have the right mindset to sort of look in the mirror and stare hard and basically say, yeah, you know what? Some of this was my fault. Right. And and owning the proper parts of that in order to right and correct wrongs that they did to put this specific roster to well together. I don't know if you remember some of the early conversations that we had during the season, but one of the framings that we had around this specific team was this was sort of a tryout year. Remember yes. that, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's God, like, it sounds so long. It feels so long ago at this point, right? But but we're gonna try to figure out what works and what doesn't, and do these pieces actually fit? And is this really the right way? And what players, what players, if not these specific players, then that type of player or that archetype of player, are they gonna be the right fit around LeBron or with the young guys? And are the young guys going to be able to play with him? And right, it was all sort sort of this big audition. Oh, we were so young then, Darius. Well, no. What I'm saying is is that my worry about this is that there's gonna be a certain amount of, well, we didn't learn enough because the injuries messed it all up. Right? But I think we learned plenty. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, That's true. <laughs> and Yeah, that is true. And I think the front office needs to understand that they actually did learn plenty about yeah. this team. And not necessarily about like, oh, the young players or this, this, that, that, or the other. More about what type of team do we want to build in order to make the team successful? 
It's funny that this same line of conversation kind of ended up at the same place, right? Is that like self-awareness and self-evaluation from the front office is ultimately going to be whether or not we can turn this into an optimistic thing. Yes, that's that's exactly right. And and if they're able to sort of recognize their own faults and their own flaws and say, yeah, you know what? I got that one wrong. This is the path forward that we need to take. They're going to be, they're going to have all those resources that we just described earlier. And that's an opportunity to still build a really good team. And, and that's where my optimism lies. We're going to see if that group gets there or not. Right. But I don't judge this team. I don't judge this front front office just off of this season and this core of quote unquote mistakes that that they've made. Like I didn't laud Magic Johnson and Rob Palinka for like trading D'Angelo Russell, right? Because you know you and I were both fans of well, well of D'Angelo Russell, but there were mechanics within that trade that made sense for. From a team building perspective, there were. This is the same front office that also made what I thought was a pretty shrewd deal to unload Jordan Clarkson's contract and Larry Nance's right. And and they traded Nance. They got a first round pick back. <clears throat> um, they have done some things within the context of of just sort of operational things that I think are solid and in some cases even shrewd moves in order to set the team up better for the future. Even with the conversations that they must have had with Luol Deng to get him to to give back the amount of money that, that mm-hmm. he gave back, the timing of when they actually waived him in order to open up the type of cap space like these are things that are just just smart and good moves those are the same people that run this front office it's it's not that everything has been bad it's just that the things that have have been bad have been so bad that yeah. it drug a lot of other stuff down but the stuff that was good those are good things that his that are still still have the opportunity to sort of pay dividends in the future yeah and they're still part of the overall calculus that said i think that in totality their small moves around the margins have been really bad. Even when you factor in some of those shrewd moves, I think that by and large, when you take them as a, as a whole, they've still been bad. Um, but that said, my last space for optimism, and this is what I'm most optimistic about, is they very obviously to me, and when I say that they, I'm probably talking more about magic than anybody else, put all of their eggs in a we're getting a star basket and to their credit they delivered on that last season with getting LeBron James and that is the most important thing whether or not the Lakers do get a legitimate max caliber player 
this summer. That's the most important thing that can happen this summer. You could argue for an Anthony Davis trade as well, but I think you get what I mean by that. They can screw up the rest of the roster again, and that would still not be as important as that. Now, they better not do that, and that we saw how damaging that could be, along with a lot of the injury issues and you know some problems with Luke, all that. But for me, the front office deserves the benefit of the doubt on what they're good at. I think they are good at this. This is what they are brought in to do when you look at it from a very broad perspective without a lot of details. They were brought in to bring stars. They are one for one on that. Maybe one for two if you consider Paul George and how that shook out. But they, at the very least, were able to accomplish that last summer. And that is the one guy they pitched, they signed. Yes. Right? So they did not get in a room with Paul George, which you and I discussed that at the time that... I actually think that that was pretty strategic on Paul George's part. Yeah, that's the thing, man. I don't think that... I think pitches are, are overrated, at least at this point. I think a lot of this stuff at this point is decided. I, I just don't believe that people are making hundreds of millions of dollar decisions over the course of multiple years when they have that much power over the course of a couple of days. Because, I mean, like, yeah, it's nice. They want to dine you. They, you know, get some celebrity in some video to be like, hey, you're awesome while wearing their jersey or something. But I, I just don't think that that is really swaying that much. I think all the the work on who the Lakers are going to get, a lot of it's already been done. And they're in the process of doing that now. And by July, it's only culminating that. I'm I'm splitting hairs here. Forgive me. But I I just, I don't think that's a big thing. No, I would frame it this way. That when you get a star in the room, you're giving them a reason to say no. Not a reason to say yes. (laughs) That's a good point. Yeah. You know, and they didn't get in the room with Paul George. And I think that that was pretty strategic on Paul George's part. Right? Because I'm not sure if... And this isn't source or anything like that. It's just my sense is that if he ends up in the room, I'm not sure how many reasons he would have had to say no. Mm. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So in the past, and this was, I think, a major criticism of of like the Jim Buss, Mitch Kupchak regime is that they seemingly gave stars lots of reasons to say no. If that makes sense. Um, Even if it was a long shot to begin with, based off of the position of the team at that particular time that they were trying to sign those, those guys, that's neither here nor there. It's, it's, it's just that I'm not putting so much emphasis on like, Oh, they're in there selling them hard and, and they're getting them to say yes in the room. and, And that's their job. I think that, um, your point is well taken with 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 all of that. I'm just saying that when you get Magic Johnson in the room and maybe LeBron James in in the room, you are you are t- to me at least. I think you're removing things off of the table for people to turn down, if that makes sense. It and does. and if they are able to get in the room with one or two or three of these um, really elite players. I don't want to say I'm confident that they're going to reel one in, but but I'd like the Lakers' chances. It's the one place where they still deserve our benefit of the doubt. Yeah, I'll be very interested, actually, to see what meetings they get. 
One last thing. I don't think it necessarily necessitates a ton of discussion. And you touched on it earlier. Lonzo going into an offseason healthy is a big deal to me because so many of his issues have to do with his footwork. And he's never had the opportunity to really work on those things because his legs have always been injured. So him going into an offseason healthy and being able to put a full offseason into that with some technical stuff that's very fixable. I think he, health willing, is in for a really breakout season three. And I think that this will be a big part of that. So anyhow, I think that's a good place to wrap it up. Uh, Interesting talk, my man. Thank you for that and balancing out more of my pessimism than I wanted to leak through. So you've been listening to the Laker Film Room Podcast, and we will catch you guys next time. Just give me a chance to think. It takes me a little while to get wound up. I know it does take you a while to think. I think that is a cosmetic call, baby. Okay, kid, you're all right, my book. Will you get these idiots out of here? <laughs>